Hi to all our listeners. This is Coach Chelsea, the host of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study, a place where athletes, coaches, and athletic professionals come together to talk about faith, sports, and servant leadership. We hope that this podcast blesses you. If there's anything we could do for you, please find us at the Chelsea F on Twitter, at Chief Friend John, C-H-E-F-R-A-N-J-O-H-N on Instagram and streaming live at Chelsea F. Muir on Facebook. We pray that you continue to be blessed and continue to serve as God would ask us to. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead. Um, I'm excited to be here with servant leader Nick Graham. Uh, been following you for a bit, Nick. And then also it's one thing when you watch people and you see things, but then when you get the co-signs from other great leaders that this is mm-hmm. you need to be talking to, this is what they're doing. And then I see in, you're entrenched in the game of that I love basketball, but then mm-hmm. you authored this devotional. Right. And, and and I got so excited about that because I said, I don't think this has been done. And I know there's other books out there, but the way you've mm-hmm. written it down, I'm here to tell you and all coaches, I don't care if you even coach or play basketball. This is something that our players need. So I'm super excited just to chat with you today. Um, you are truly the definition of servant leadership, um, especially in today's society. So I just want to thank you for coming on and I'm going to go ahead and pass the torch to you to just kind of jump off introduce yourself and we get started with this conversation yeah no I, I really appreciate that um yeah I'm Nick Nick Graham I've been around basketball uh my entire life uh you know my parents my dad was a basketball coach before I was born so like basketball is a part of my DNA um my parents did a good job of you know introducing me to God like my fondest memories are you know, basketball with my dad, saying my prayers at night with my mom. And that's kind of how my life started. So that's just kind of always been woven into my life. So I was um, fortunate enough to play college basketball for my dad. Um, And it was through uh, my college basketball experience that allowed me to um, really just uh, develop a deep foundation in my relationship with God. I like a lot of coaches, and players, basketball was an idol, you know. I didn't know what an idol was at the time, but, you know, once I was, once uh, somebody told me what an idol was, I was, like, floored. The fact that I had worshipped basketball, you know, I loved God, I believed in God, but it was worshiping basketball. And then from there, it all made sense, you know, like, uh, why I wasn't able to uh, sustain success, why um, when basketball didn't go my way, whether it was an injury, uh, whether I wasn't playing or whatever it was, why I felt like uh, I turned into a bad person. I felt like less than, I felt like I wasn't worthy or anything like that. It was because it was what I worshiped. Um, you know, I went through my college basketball experience was very depressing. It was very dark. Um, I played for my dad and he was a first year head coach as a black man. So as you can imagine, there was a lot of pressure on him. Where do you think that pressure, where do you think that pressure was released to, you know? So I felt all of that, which made it uh, a dehabilitating experience in a lot of ways, like my college career. Um, but I feel like I had to go through that to be able to help kids in which the way that I do. Um, but like I said, it was 
because of that, that forced me to turn to God, like, cause I didn't have anything else, you know, like I didn't have any more self-confidence. Uh, nobody wanted to really help me out, you know, because of the unique situation of playing for your dad, my teammates, they're young, they're, they're kids just like I was. So there was a lot of jealousy with the relationship I had with my dad off the court. And so because of that, when I had dark times as a college athlete, I didn't have those teammates to put their arm around me because they were low key, probably a little happy. Like, well, that's what he get, you know? And I don't, like, I love them to death to this day. We're all young, trying to figure it out. The assistant coaches on the staff, they felt like my dad would, you know, he was coaching me so they didn't have to. And my dad wasn't playing me at times. So I was just out there. And I think that that's what's allowed me to really help uh, young people in basketball is because I know what it's like to have basketball as an idol. And it's crazy how God uses that in terms of me helping uh, young athletes because the reason I'm able to connect with athletes and the reason that we are, if you think about it, is if we do it right and honor God, we can develop a trust and a bond with these young athletes that nobody else can. Why? Because of their idol. They worship basketball. It's the most important thing in their life. And so I always took their approach. One, I understand because I've been there. And let's be honest, there are a lot of grown men. There are a lot of coaches, grown women, a lot of grown people. And basketball is their idol. You know, they read the Bible. They go to church. They do this. But at the end of the day, their actions say that basketball is their idol, is their God, is that in which they worship. And so, like, I just leverage that because if I help you with the thing that you covet the most on this earth, you, same thing with you guys, there's a trust that's developed. And what God has opened my eyes to do is not judge them, not make them feel insecure, but just simply meet them where they're at. I help them with the thing that they covet the most. And my hope is, is through the relationship that I've invested with them, I can help them, you know, worship God and not worship basketball. And I think in turn, that's in my philosophy is, is one, they're going to enjoy basketball more and they're going to be a better basketball player, you know, because it's not this pressure. This is who I am, you know, because we all know that tough times are going to happen. You're going to get hurt. You're going to have a coach that maybe hates on you, or you're going to have teammates. Social media is going to turn their back and all that. But I have something that I can go to that I can lean on to get me through it when basketball isn't, you know, doing, you know, isn't, you know, always sweet. So, that was kind of my basketball story, and that's kind of how what allowed me to get connected to God. It wasn't that I was just this, you know, guy with a lot of wisdom and all that. It was like I turned everything else, and everything else turned on me. And when you look at it, it's the best thing to happen because I had no choice but to turn to God. And through that, I felt that unconditional love and that unconditional support and all that. So that's kind of, you know, my actually – you know, story of my faith and how my faith got started, but basketball as well. I think that's so amazing, Coach. And I think that's also the beauty in servanthood because that is a story that although we may sit here and say, man, he's so right. I don't think I've ever heard it explained that way. You know, the pressures that these young people um, have on themselves, you know, especially like you, there's many athletes who, their father, their mother, their sister, their brother came before them playing the same sport. And there's such a pressure there. And so mm -hmm. when we begin to worship the things and, and granted, we're talking about basketball here, 
But oftentimes in life, we worship so many things and we don't know when we crossed that line over into that. And so I love how you've explained that, you know, your mission, your goal for this devotional was to be able to separate those to help young athletes. And like you said, even us as adults understand that we worship God. We may enjoy ball. We may critique our skill to get better, but we worship God. And when we can do that, it will alleviate those depression moments, the pressure Mm -hmm. felt by people. And I think that is so amazing um, and new and refreshing. So I applaud you for that, man. That is big. That is big. You know, we've been talking a lot about servant leadership and what that looks like in different facets. And, you know, right now in the midst of this world that we live in, I'm pretty sure that you, um, you know, mentor, coach, develop, train many young men. I heard you say that because of a lot of the pressures, you fell into a depression moment. Can you speak a bit about how to encourage our young men, especially our young men of color, to understand that it's okay to vocalize those things and how you maneuvered out of that? Yeah, uh, the the way I maneuvered out of it is just my relationship with God, you know, because like you're going to, you know, whatever it is you worship, that's what is going to influence you at the end of the day. And, you know, the more I connect to God, the more you feel of acceptance like never before. And so like the more I connect to God and begin to be a God worshiper, because you think about this, I tell people this all the time, right? there's a difference between believing in God and worshiping in God. So like even like Christian coaches, let's say, I would, I would venture to say a great deal of them are, God, are, are believers in God, but they're not worshiping God. Um, but when you worship God, like you could care less uh, about what somebody else says or what somebody else feels. And so, you know, as I like for me, that was what gave me the courage to, you know, really vocalize that, deal with it and address it Um, to answer the second part or actually the first part of the question. You know, what can we do? Um, One of the things that God has challenged me and given me the courage to do, which I encourage you guys to do the same, is um, how how much faith do you have in God to do the things that he said he's going to do for you? Like when your faith is unwavering and you really believe that, then I don't care if you see my weaknesses. I don't care if you see my vulnerabilities. I posted a picture uh, in order for me to allow this book to come to fruition. I had to sleep in the car like maybe like 10 nights out of the year because I was, you know, uh, raising money for the project and I was doing camps across the country. And so I was like, man, like I'm trying to put every cent into this. And there were nights where the hotel rates were too expensive. So I just stayed, you know, in my car. I posted a picture on social media um, and that was, I, I wanted to show my vulnerability. I wanted to show my weakness because I feel like so often I wrote this in my journal. I'm going to write about this. Let me see if I can get it right. Um, is we have a tendency to hide the process and promote uh, and promote the results, hide the process but promote the results, the positive results, right? And when we do that, that's about us. We're promoting ourselves. But when you allow yourself, when you open up your vulnerability, when you open up the pain of the process, the doubt of the process, the mistakes you make along the process, having faith that God is going to do at the end what he said he's going to do, even when it doesn't look like it, even when it doesn't feel like it, 
then that's the best way that we can encourage others. Because I saw Coach Chelsea when she was doubting. I saw her when she was depressed. I saw her when she was this. But somehow, some way, she was able to keep fighting. And now look at her. She's blessed up. That's when God gets the credit. And that's when, you know, people can realize that, man, I can make it despite of these things. The reason that our kids, like, we, we talk out both sides of our mouths. We say one thing, but our actions do another. You know, there are coaches that talk about, like, because it's, it's the thing to do to talk about mental health. Uh, talking about, you know, go talk to somebody. We put a hashtag. But then when they say it, we treat them different. You know what I mean? Or we don't do it ourselves. You know, like, life, especially as people of color, happens to us all. You know, like, I get, like, for me and my family, like my parents have mental health issues. Unfortunately, they haven't done, like a lot of, you know, black people their age, they haven't addressed them. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, being raised as a, as a black person in the civil rights and their parents. And, and, you know, like that's pressed down. We've had a lot of trauma generationally. And so like most of uh, my point being is, is most of us probably need to, to address that and deal with that. You know, so for me, it's just like being a leader you know, showing them. And, and that's hard. It is hard sometimes because there have been times when I do it. And even now where people have talked about me, people have turned their back on me. People from a professional standpoint don't think that maybe I'm stable or fit to, to be a leader or, or be in, in young people's lives because they, they too have fell into the illusion that I've got to have everything together. If we waited until we had everything together, we would never be able to make an impact for God because, you know, at the end of the day, like we're never going to have everything quote unquote together because God is continuing to work on us. You know, I'm sitting here trying to write it all right. And it just keeps coming. <laughs> I'm going to keep calling you another one of our jewelers, just dropping gems. And I think that's so amazing because that is something that, you know, I've been kind of delving into myself and, I listened to a podcast a couple of weeks ago about this very thing. And his word tells us that in our weakness, right? The joy mm -hmm. of the Lord is our strength. And in our yeah. weakness, he is made stronger because he's already strong. It doesn't take anything or any part of us to make yeah. him strong. He's already strong, so stronger. And I think it's exactly what you said. In servant leadership and in servanthood, that vulnerability piece is missing a mm -hmm. lot because so many people in their freedom from and their deliverance is locked into us being transparent. And mm -hmm. I you, you said yeah. it right, that generation that, you know, like your parents are in and our parents are in, you know, they grew up in that time where it was like, you know, hey, you better pray about it and let's move on. Right. right. Like the matter is, yeah. and I tell people all the time, you know, that mental affects the physical. So if you go to a medical doctor for your physical, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Going to a heart doctor, neurologist we can go and take care of that if we need that to be taken care of. And I think that's amazing. But I think the biggest thing you said, you said we have a tendency to hide the process and promote the result, right? Mm -hmm. Tell people all the time. Instagram, think Instagram, social media. Come on. Right? Yes, yeah. exactly. Right. But I think, and I tell people a lot of times the value of people are lost. The value of self-esteem goes down because of those things right there. When they don't see you building the track, they just see you mm -hmm. right See, and that's what I tell people all the time in my world. I need those people in my life that are with me when I'm trying to build the tracks, right? It mm -hmm. makes the train that much sweeter, but it also shows people that it can be done. 
in spite of what I've been through, like you said, you know, this, this is now my testimony that God can. We won't know that he can if we didn't see these bumps and bruises and I still rose above. So I think that is so amazing that you would, you know, bring that there. Um, you know, I continuously talk about the pandemic because for me, it's an interesting thing. You know, I don't view it the same way that a lot of people have. Um, there's so many things in life that are isolated by either where we live regionally, right? Races, um, the country, right? And this is the one time um, of a few that the whole world finds themselves in the same place where there's no discrimination of color, creed, religion, no matter where, demographics, uh, we all fall in the same space, right? And so why I say I find the pandemic in- interesting and in how I view it is because in these moments, God has manifested a lot of things, right? He really has. So one of the things I like to ask is, what has the pandemic taught you? In this time of a pause that all of us have shared, every day that passed, we all had the same amount of time. What has the pandemic taught you? Um. I don't know. So like it's I'm in a I've been in a weird space because uh you know, in order for me to write this book, I had to be in isolation. Um I felt like God isolated me. So in a lot of ways like I felt like it's I've been uh going through certain things like this for like the last 2 years. That's how long it took to to write the book. And so in a weird way it's different because when I went through this I was by myself and nobody was going through it. So I'm still kind of in that mode, if it makes any sense. It's just other people there. Um, So for me, it hasn't been maybe near as bad. You know, fortunately for me, you know, God's uh, had it. You know, I've been healthy. Um, Nobody close to me has gotten affected. Um, and, And I've been able to stay afloat and different things like that. Um, so like for me, it's just been about really helping others through this space because I think a lot of the feelings that they had, like I've been going through just the isolation, um, not being able to do things that, you know, like I wanted to do and God just putting a halt and I just had to like kind of let go and give him control. So like for me, I've just trying to been, I've, I've been trying to help as many people as I can through it. The one thing that I do see just in, in looking it just shows the lack of, uh, of, there's a lot of people that have not been worshiping God and it shows, like we talk about believing and worshiping. And those those are the people that seem to be really struggling, you know, because control is like so many people want control, right? And it's not control that you should want, it's freedom. But the only way that you can truly be free down here is when you give up control and let God control your life. And I feel like this pandemic for a lot of people has forced them to deal with that because the reason people are struggling because they don't have control. But really us as worshipers of God or those that strive for that, we already know that's what we should be prepared for to let God lead us through this day. You know, there's so many scriptures that speak to that that we talk about where it's like, worry about this day. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has its own problems. And so, like, in a lot of ways, it's, it's forcing people to get back to that. And to me, the, 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 the thing that's disappointing, the thing that's frustrating is there are a lot of people that I feel like aren't taking advantage. You know, people have 
because like I said, like you think you're like the money that you have in the bank or the job title that you have or the amount of followers are being verified on Twitter, all those things, they just simply give you illusion to make you feel like you're in control. At the end of the day, the person that goes and looks at their 401k and got millions of dollars in the bank and the person that doesn't have one, at the end of the day, they serve the same guy. <laughs> at the end of the day, they have the same control. One can just maybe feel like he's in control. And like for the betterment of people, if they, like you said, if they look at this properly, yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, you may be, yeah, it may be scary and all that, but God is trying to, I feel like one, obviously work in society to get our attention, but individually, like, I feel like there's something that God is trying to get through. And it's like, it's like us as athletes going through training camp or something like that. Like, I hate going to training camp or I hate running sprints, but if I'm going to go run sprints, I'm going to make sure that I'm in the best shape I can possibly be in at the end. I'm not going through it for no reason. So many people are going to look back at this and they're not going to allow it to transform them the way that God's trying to get their attention to. I feel like. You I'm sitting here like, Oh my gosh. Like I just see them. If you ever like, I don't play candy crush. Right. But I see all the little jewels just dropping. <laughs> and just dropping because it's the same way and isn't it amazing how God takes the scenarios that we find ourselves in and he prepares us for things we didn't even see coming and I think it's amazing how you place the parallel to the fact that I've been in isolation right prior to this pandemic I've been here so honestly not you know trying to diminish what this pandemic has been but I've been in isolation so when this came God already showed me how to maneuver through that and God has that way and I think it's amazing just like you said just like the word you know you take no thoughts of tomorrow right that's what the word tells us to do but so often we do that and in keying in on this I wish you could see it like I just circled around it three times he said you shouldn't want control you should want freedom but that Mm. comes from allowing God to have control in your life Mm. and often that is the hardest part of leadership servanthood being a coach, being any part, you you insert that. That is the largest part of that because we pray and we say, God, please help me with X, Y, Z, fill in the blank, mm-hmm. but we don't let it go. Mm-hmm. So it's like now God's not going to play tug of war with us. He's not doing mm-hmm. it. He said, I want it. Tell me a person that is in this life. I, I don't care who it is, right? The mo- mama all the way down to best friend, friend, that's going to tell you, cast your cares on me. Simply because I care for you, not because you did something for me yesterday, not because I owe you, not because I want something from you. Simply cast your cares on me because I care for you. And we still have trouble saying, God, I release it. You can have it. And I think it's the best part that you pinpoint. The problem is because we don't understand them and we don't know. Mm. And that goes all the way back to what you said, not worshiping God. We believe in him, but we don't worship him. And when you worship him, you get a greater deal into who mm-hmm. he is, what his teachings say, what he can do for us. And so I think you're hitting some major nuggets today, man. That is huge. God, y'all know how I can go, right? So I'm gonna give y'all opportunity if y'all have anything for this brother, because I got a few more that I'm gonna hold back. Okay. But I'm gonna be, you know, I'm gonna be kind and I'm mindful today. If y'all have any questions or comments for Nick right now, go ahead and shoot it to him because um, clearly he's dropping gems for everybody today. Yo, Nick, what's going on, man? What's going on, bro? Man, I can't call it. Listen, um, I'm going to go ahead and get mine out the way. <laughs> yeah. um, 
it's just one of those things where we've had as, as few as five or six. We've had as many as 30 at one point, man. Yeah. I try to catch everyone I can because there's a different vibe, like good vibes all the way around, but it's just a different message or a different type of delivery. Mm-hmm. And it's a different way to hit home. And you didn't disappoint with that either because, you know, we all coaches, so I'm pretty sure we could all relate with that at some point. I know I personally did in regards to sometimes, you know, practicing what you preach or, or, or the lack thereof, or you look up and it's like you believe, but are you are you worshiping with it? Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes, you know, you catch yourself slipping. It happens. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and so just the, the testimony itself because ironically I just got through kind of doing um, uh, an assignment because I'm doing some classes and whatnot on that very subject of black coaches and the lack thereof um, and, and, and especially in basketball and football collegiate uh, professionally because there's so many of us playing but you don't have the leadership that looks like us. Mm-hmm. And mentally, I think it's a drain because some of the coaches that are currently doing it aren't getting the opportunities to lead programs. Or the young coaches are going, I don't know if this is what I want to do. I'm going to go do something else because you look up and it's not breaking through for for, for OG. Why, why should I worry about doing it? I'm going to go, you know, I don't know, crunch the numbers or something, see if I can get paid that way depending on what your, your reason for sure. doing it. So uh, just dope, man. Great delivery. Um, I'm glad you're on the other side of, you know, mentally what you were going through. Because, yeah. again, in, the, in, in our household, the, the black houses, we don't talk about mental health when we were growing yeah. up. It's like, man, if you don't go put your jacket on and come over here, let's go. It's, <laughs> yeah. You know, we're just now getting around to it. Mm-hmm. And we need it the most. Right. Right. Like we look, <laughs> we had the mental struggle through. before we was even born. Like you said, it's just generations and they just poured it on us and here we are. And it was like, Oh, y'all mad about that? We we thought that was normal. Cause Yeah. I I do wanna um I would like to know about your uh I'd like to stay uh connected and find out more about like what you're doing about black coaches and even give you some of uh, some of the things in, in detail um, to think about as you, you know, continue to study that. Because uh, you, you you definitely struck uh, a nerve with a lot of what you said. And But I, you know, I, I coached in college like three years ago. And yeah. I had to tell the head coach, uh, Iowa State, uh, I would look them dead square in his eye and said, um, I don't know, I will go sell insurance before I stay here and work another year. Because I feel like it's not fair to these young black kids how you treat me in front of them because I am a strong black role model. You may not think I'm a great basketball coach, but I know I'm a great man and they need somebody like me in their lives. And if I let you belittle me in front of them, they're going to dismiss me incorrectly and not have a positive black role model in their life in their early 20s when those are hard to come by and that's when they need them to most and you know walked away so like to your point there's a lot of reasons why you don't see you know black coaches moving up some of them are systematically and but like some of I felt like I was either gonna to continue to wrap that up but to give you some things to think about I I felt like I had to either I 
keep the keep the job and keep going down that way, or sell or or, or sell myself short and as a man of God and as a black man. And when I was there, the black man that worked there sold their black card a long time ago to and didn't lose an ounce of sleep. They like I'm making three four hundred grand. You know what I'm saying? I'm good. Like I don't care about the development of this black kid, really. So somebody that lived that, you know, like yeah, I'm sure I could tell you some, give you some insight to help you with that. Absolutely, man. Um, my last little thing, and then I'm gonna hand it over to somebody else. I think I probably overextended myself anyway. Um, ironically, you mentioned that I was talking to a friend of mine that's a coach, and I'm just like, you know, how they looking? It's like, well, it's middle school, and I'm not the head coach, so you know, we could be better. I'm like, so what do you play for a, I mean, you coach for a control freak or something? And it was like, no, I mean, I'm the assistant coach. I can only say so much. I'm like, yeah, to a degree, but at the end of the day, we're on a staff for a reason. Head coach is going to make the final call. Absolutely. But having been in both, it's like, if your head coach is not empowering you or involving you in the situation, then what's the point? And like you said, you're looking at me like, he ain't nothing because coach talked to him like, whatever. It's still got to be a respect factor. Yeah. And we got to be able to, 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 to bite off each other's ideas and feed off each other's energy out sure. on the floor. And that's how we get better. And that's how you help the kids get better. But we're just cracking the whip all the time. I mean, yeah. But anyway. I appreciate nah, it. No, that happens a lot. No, nah, no doubt. I appreciate you. Yeah, for sure, man. Brother Nick. What's going on, man? How you doing, man? God bless you, man. Thank you for uh, uh, being on this call and a really uh, phenomenal uh, job in terms of uh, uh, giving us like the story, you know, uh, behind the process. And that, that, that transparency is huge uh, right now. So thank you very much in terms of that. Um, you talked about, um, you know, how, how you know, as African-American men uh, showing our vulnerability, right? And mm-hmm. so uh, one of the things that I probably had a huge problem with uh, uh, kind of coming out of last year into this year, into the 2020, was actually showing some of those vulnerability. I've been I've been in uh, church like all my life, like my mm-hmm. entire life. And so one of the, the ministers had a, a conversation with me. So I had a, a very disappointing moment at the beginning of 2020. It was a coaching job that I felt like I was right for, that I should have gotten a position and the whole nine. And I didn't get that. And I didn't get that position. And so um, I was like, you know, like, you know, you, you hear all the sayings, uh, d- God will close one door and he'll open up yeah. two. And it's all of that. And so that's the kind of, that was the kind of guy that I am, you know, just showing resilience and keeping it moving. And so one of the ministers at my church was speaking to me one day and said, yo, Pat, you know, I really, you know, I really love you and I really know that you love, love the Lord, but sometimes you have to allow people to look into your life and see some of the disappointments 
mm-hmm. in your life, you know? Mm-hmm. And so she asked me, um, the question was, how do you feel when you talk, how do, do your, do your kids, I have two boys and they both play basketball and I'm getting to the question that I got for you too, brother Nick, this is a little no, story. I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. But, uh, she goes, she goes, did you, she says, did you tell, did you let your family know, you know, other than your wife, did you let your boys know how disappointed you were in not getting the position? And I was like, he's, she's like, how did they feel? Like, what did they say about you not getting the position? And I was like, no, I, I don't think I really did. I, I don't think I really did. So I turned to my son and I asked my youngest son, who's 14, I asked him, I said, well, you know, your, your father didn't get this coaching position. What, what, what's your, what's your thoughts on me not getting the position? And he was like, you were okay, dad. It was, it's all right. You know, it was all right. So he didn't know my true, he didn't know Mm -hmm. my true feelings. And Mm -hmm. that just exposed all of this, you know, like, oh my goodness, am I, Mm -hmm. am I being like the culture with just showing all of the good things and, always showing this uh, kind of happiness. So my question to you, I have a question behind this. My question to you is, I do have two sons. They both play basketball. I've only coached my son um, on the AAU side of basketball. I've coached them like a couple of years on the AAU side. But I wanted to know from you, what advice would you give me as being because this year I'm, I might just be able to be like my son's head coach uh in Florida we just moved down here in Florida and I've tagged on with a team here in Florida and so I might become his like head coach or his assistant coach um what what advice would you give me to uh keep that 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 relationship that coach parent relationship healthy from your from your point of view you know you know what i'm saying because no, i'm yeah. sure i have that balance you know what i'm saying with my with my son yeah nah um uh, and before i cover that even the first thing like letting them see your pain um right. sends a message because if they see you like so say for example um my dad um uh, applied for about 19 head coaching jobs. Um, and the only reason he didn't get them, most of them because he was black. Because he's black. Never, wow. never seen him, never seen him. My dad never took a sick day to a fault, never took vacation to a fault, but he was that committed to doing it. And, you know, he knew that's what he had to do. Right. The one thing that, like, I did see, I saw my dad, like, cry in my mom's lap. Just mm. boo-hoo crying. But then I saw him get to get up and go to work the next morning. Hmm. You know what I mean? So like, That's- like yeah, like so it's one like if he would have came and said, "Oh, everything's good," you know, like then like when I went through tough times. That's right. Say for example, when I was sleeping in the car, I might have quit. But That's I didn't right. see my dad. You know what I'm saying? Cry and get told no, and get told no. It wasn't right. It wasn't fair. But through all that. Like, I, I think that, like, and this isn't just a black thing. This is just a macho competitive athlete thing. I think right. we're wrong when we get mad at kids for crying. Right. 
I don't care if you cry, right. but what you gonna do when you wipe those tears off? That's it. Like you could cry. Mm. You I didn't see I didn't see kids cry and still work hard. That's right. They cry while they run sprints. You know what I'm saying? It's not the message. There are some people that never cry, but they pouting, just sitting on the couch playing Xbox. <laughs> like I tell people, like sometimes you know you love like it makes sense. Like if you love something and you put everything you have into it and it doesn't work, yeah, you probably gonna like you probably gonna be emotional whether you cry or not. But to answer your question about coaching, I would say that um, you almost have to be a chameleon. You gotta you gotta be because like you have to be a hard coach. You got to mm-hmm. be the number one cheerleader and everyone in between and just having that feel. John Gordon writes a lot about it's not uh, tough love. You got to love tough. Mm-hmm. We mess up because we don't lead with love. Right. right. I wrote a, I, I'm writing about that now. Like it's what do you lead with? Right. Like when you lead with love, how you yell at somebody is different. You know, when you lead with love, it's hard to like hold a grudge, you know, you see a coach. So like, even with that, for an example, like when I train, no matter, like I kind of make a promise to myself, no matter how much you piss me off, no matter how mad I am, if practice is over at four o'clock at 401, I've let it go. That's it. Like it's over once I step over this line. So like I had to develop this ability to like, you could, I could be so intent and that's mm-hmm. the beautiful thing about about God. Like people try to try to label us, and mm-hmm. they try to you know people want to force you to be either or. Like mm-hmm. you can't be this hard nosed, intense coach, and you can't be this loving uh, person of character that really loves and serves and supports his kid at the same time. That's but true. Through God, I can contradict myself to the point mm-hmm. where people have tried to call me a hypocrite because they see me in the gym. And I'm intense and I'm pushing somebody. So they have to, to make them feel better about them. So they say he can't be this Christian guy he says he is. Right. Or the other way around. Yeah, That's- you know, like Nick wrote this book and he loves God. So you, he probably can't help you with his game. That's right. You know what I'm saying? But through God, you can be both. You know, and that's what you're going to have to be. So I would just be like, have those internal boundaries. I'm going to drive you. I'm going to coach you. I'm going to push you with loving tough. but as soon as this game is over, if you turned it over, if even if you talked back to me and we went it, we got into it, coach player at 301, once practice is over, I'm your dad. And I can't get, I can't hold this grudge on how you responded to player coach. I can't take that into the father son um, relationship, you know, so that would, that would kind of be my, and, and that's hard. But the great thing about that is the only way that you can properly navigate that is that you're you're going to be have to be so connected to God, and He's the only way you're going to be able to do that. So that's the only way you can pull it pull it out. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh no doubt. Bless you, bro. Yes. Likewise. Amazing. I'm loving this. I was excited too. Um, I'm a shout her out. Uh, she has her little one, but Coach Kendra's on here, and she's you know always on here. Huge supporter of what we do, a part of what we do. And she always talks about, she's like our personal life coach for coaches. And so I knew when you talked about leading with love, I knew that immediately that was the part that was going to trigger her. And sure enough, as soon as you said it in the chat, she went. So, and I think that's amazing. It's all about how you do things. 
it really is all in how you do things, right? So I love that, guys. That was amazing answers. And that was also amazing dialogue between all of that because one of the things that I applaud all the time, and it's not that what you're trying to do it, but men being okay having those questions and normalizing that, normalizing the fact. It's like you said, it's okay to have tears. That's fine. But it's mm-hmm. what we're doing when we wipe those tears away. That's mm-hmm. that we're targeting. And I think that was amazing, man. Like I, You have said some things today that, yes, we all think about, but it's how you approach them. And how you actually speak them about that I'm so impressed with and I've taken and will take with me. Um, last question I'm going to have here for you as we close, because Lord knows I feel like we could talk to you for another <laughs> and I will have three more pages over here. The beauty in the servant leader coaches Bible study is understanding that two words, servant leadership can take on so many different definitions. And as I've worked now going on 10 months of creating this very long definition to help us as leaders. What does servant leadership look like to you, to Nick Graham? Uh, to me, um, it's uh, it's a lifestyle. Uh, you know, I, I just, to me, like, it's a lifestyle. It's uh, it's watered down now. That term is watered down. Um, if you ask every coach in America, they would probably say that they are. But I think that you have to really um, just reflect back and hold yourself accountable to make sure that the service that you're providing reflects the leader in which you choose to reflect. There's a lot of people that serve, but and they feel good about it. I'm serving, you know, I'm serving my players. I'm serving my community. I'm serving this, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I've worked uh, at the college level a few times and I've seen a lot of leaders the first time I worked at the college level I worked uh, at a Christian school and their service the people that were leaders like you let them tell it they'll tell you (laughs) for 20-30 minutes straight you know how amazing of a servant leader they are but their leadership uh, didn't reflect the person in which they serve so it's I think that if we're really going to do this, like you have to take time uh, in your quiet time with God and with godly people. You know, like I have two or three godly people in sport that I know that I can uh, that are going to hold me accountable to make sure that my service reflects that in which I'm trying to represent in God. Like, is it so is your servant leadership Christ like, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Um because if that's the case, then you need to audit it. You know, as you, we know you're serving, but does your service represent Christ-like service? Okay, what does Christ-like service look like? One, we know it is, I'm going to serve when it's inconvenient, right? So like, if you're only serving when it's convenient for you, is that really service that you should take pride in? Um, one of the things that I really, really see, and I've been waiting to really talk about this until God, God, I feel like God was telling me to wait until um, I have a bigger platform. But one of the things that I really want to challenge coaches to do, a lot of our service is so fake and it's to promote us and benefit us. Like a lot of coaches are cloud chasers. They'll go serve, a basketball coach will go serve John Calipari, right? John Calipari called them right now and said, hey, I need you to get in your car and drive from here to Kentucky and watch practice and tell me what you think. Oh, no problem, coach. I'll do it. I'm serving. Nah, 
you're promoting your own agendas. But there's this coach right now that looks up to you, right? That if you just called them once a week and spent time with them, that would that would change the trajectory of their life, but you won't do it. Case in point, right? I feel like God, I, I say this in the book, but I say, um, if you follow God's plan for your life, he will gently humble you on the front end in private so you won't be humbled in a humiliating way in public on the back end. Um, so I feel like a lot of the things that God has allowed me to do, sleeping in my car, you know, not really having any money before this book came out was to develop the humility I needed to handle the success and the platform that he has for me. But as God kind of stripped all these things away that kind of gave me clout in the public sphere, it made me see how people treat you when they look at you as somebody that is below them. So I got a guy that I look up to that has been a, a huge impact in my life. He's not the same person he, he he's not the same person he was back then. You know, like he's been a college coach for multiple years, making six figures for the last 11 years. I've tried to text him maybe 10 times, let's say over the last year, not got one response. I happened to go to a gym this, I happened to go to a, um, a gym this weekend, saw an AAU teammate of mine who has a son that's a four-star recruit, big time player, future NBA player. He's getting recruited by this guy's school. I texted him and say, hey, I ran into this kid that's getting, a friend of mine's son, you guys are recruiting. How fast you think he texted me? Now, I've been sleeping in the car. I've that, like cried myself to sleep trying to do God's work. And this is, you know, a, a man of God. And I haven't heard from him in a year. You know, and I'm not saying that to throw him under the bus, but I am saying that like, like in this profession, in basketball, like that's all too often. And I feel like sometimes, like I feel like I needed to feel that because as God blesses me up and gives me that platform, I don't ever want to forget where I came from and how this felt. You know what I'm saying? I Like our platform, you know, servant leadership, who can I serve today? Who can I help that, that can't help themselves? There's so many, so many young coaches, not even young coaches, there's so many people in basketball that if people, when they have a platform, when they have the, 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 the ability to connect with people, if they took that and helped this person, you know what I'm saying? Not only would they help this person, but they would be moving the kingdom, moving the kingdom forward which is why I'm forever indebted to Chauncey Billups as my mentor, because he's the exact opposite. When I was at Iowa State as a graduate assistant trying to deal with the, with the politics of coaching at that level as a black man, he talked to me every Sunday. Ain't nobody gonna ever tweet about that. Nobody's gonna ever know that. He talked to me for about an hour every Sunday to help me navigate, to navigate through it. So just to answer your question, yeah, like servant leadership to me is, is making sure that you look yourself in the mirror and find people that can hold you accountable to make sure that you're not just saying that to feel good and that your serve that your servant leadership reflects christ-like service and jesus uh loved us so much that he came down here so we can make no mistake about it who did he talk to you know what did he do he was washing feet but coach you can't respond to my text but then we'll look yourself in the mirror and say you're a servant leader. So. 
you are something else. Okay. I'm <laughs> you know that right now. Um, I already know. And I mean, granted, at the end of the day, there's so many things I can say back to that, but I think that was not a thing. I know that that was the perfect, the perfect answer to that. You know, servant leadership, make sure you're doing an audit and inventory because it needs to look like Christ-like leadership. And we know he's the ultimate servant, just like you said, right? He He's the, he's the, the playbook. He's, the, you know, the instruction. He's all of those things. And I think that's so amazing what you said. And that's how life works. Sometimes it's unfortunate, right? And I think it's the best thing that you said. I'm willing to serve for the greater good and pushing and moving forward and pushing the kingdom forward, upbuilding the kingdom and moving God's agenda. I don't care who it helps. I don't care if that is a big time D1 coach. I don't care if it's a high school coach down the road. If they need my assistance, if it's Christ-like leadership, I'm serving. It has it has no never mind about what role. It shouldn't be contingent upon how high, or as you said earlier in your message, the likes, the follows. That's not what it's about. Because true servant leaders and servant leadership is doing it for the glory of God. And I appreciate you pinpointing that. And now you see why, no matter you are now, I really am going to take this inventory again. Kendra talks to me about this all the time. I think we're up to nine in the nineties y'all, but to see a new definition every day and it still hit the mark to broaden our scope and help us grow as servant leaders. So brother, I thank you so much for being here today. I thank you for your words. I thank you for your truth. And I thank you so much for leading in a Christ-like manner, because we need that. And like I said, and I'm going to say this again, guys, God times basketball by Nick Graham. Go get it. I told him, and I mean this, it's not even no joke. I'm literally about to run to basketball tryouts right now because we just started in Florida. But once I have my, we're we're purchasing it. Because if you've heard these nuggets just within this hour, just imagine what it'll do to empower you, your staff, and your players. So look him up. Coach, I'm going to give you a chance to say any last thing you want to say. Give them your handles. Tell them where they can get the book because, man, we need this. We need it. Yeah, I'm putting the, I'm putting the, uh, the link in. I just I just put the link into the uh, into the chat where you can get it off Amazon. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I feel like this is my life's purpose, um, you know, to to do this. You know, this was the highlight of my week. This is what, you know, I feel like I'm supposed to be doing, and I enjoy doing it. God spoke these words to me the last time I fasted. Basketball is your fellowship, you know. And me being around basketball at a high level without fellowshipping, it's just incomplete. The, the thing about, like, God, when you go down a narrow road that he's called you for, you can have your cake and eat it too. People keep telling me that I can't be this committed to my faith and do all these things and still be around basketball at a high level. But at some point, like, they're going to see, like, God does what only God can do. Um, so, like, I thank you. Like, with that being said, like, if follow me on Twitter. Um, my personal Twitter is culture or die, um, culture or die. And then the, the uh, we have a Twitter uh, for the, the book, God X Basketball is that. Um, but I put out a lot of content. I put out a lot of blogs. I put out a lot of things. I'm going to start doing videos, like, with a lot of the questions that I post today, just to support um, just to support you guys and support myself, really, as well, too. Um, yeah, the book is, like, she. it made me feel good how she introduced the book because, the re- you know, I just follow God. I didn't know. I'm not 
a writer. I didn't think I was. I found out organically, but I did it because there's a need. When I was at Iowa State, the thing that I saw is is because of, you know, a lot of times the servant leadership is self-centered that we don't think about the kids. We don't think about the coaches. And so um, it was my therapy, really, for dealing with – I was almost depressed seeing the lack of support for athletes and, and coaches uh, at, at a competitive level. And I looked and saw there was nothing for it. So I wrote these devotionals. I would love um, for you guys to benefit from it, but also um, just challenge you guys as servant leaders to take ownership in it because I believe, you know, that there's so many people, so many kids, so many coaches that need this book. So whatever you guys can do to promote this book, you know, hopefully I'm hidden and you're not promoting me organically sure but this is about promoting God's word and hoping that it gets to um, our teammates our coaches and, and different things like that so I thank you in advance for that support for sure absolutely and I can attest one of the most humble people uh, Ms. Barrett, uh, please come to Mr. Lanford's office Ms. Barrett, please come to Mr. Lanford's office but a, the good thing about it is and as y'all can see the pandemic has opened back up this is the other part of me but all that said, man, we appreciate you. And like you said, you're, you're not promoting you. I can attest. You're promoting the move that God has asked you to do. And for that, lives are being changed and touched. So please know we're going to support. I told you I'm going to tell everybody that I know. And I appreciate, I appreciate it. For your time. All right. Guys, I want to say a quick prayer before we get out. So if you can bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for what we've heard today, what we've seen today, what we've been able to dialogue about today, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, that as we move as servant leaders, Lord God, you allow us to be able to just move ourselves out of the way, decrease out of the way so you can increase in our lives. We ask a special prayer right now, Lord God, for Nick Graham, Lord God, as he continues to move in the way that you would have him to move, Lord God. Continue to keep him, Lord God. Continue to grow him, Lord God. Help his words, Lord God, and his works that you've provided him with to continue to touch those young men and those young women that need to hear it, Lord God. You have a purpose and you have a plan. And he said yes to your will, Lord God. Just as he said, when you walk the narrow road with God, you can have your cake and eat it too, Lord God. So as we continue to walk this road, Lord God, help us to also walk, Lord God, and be blessed, Lord God, so that not for us, but you can be glorified. We ask your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, brother. It was amazing. Amen. I appreciate every last one of y'all. If there's anything that I can ever do, just reach out. She means it. Appreciate y'all. I mean it. I do. I mean it. I really do mean it. So I appreciate y'all, man. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate you so much, brother. No doubt. Thank y'all.